Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Juan O'Savin. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and it is Friday, on October 21st in the year 2022. Nice to be at the end of the week, Friday. Hope you're going to all have a great weekend, too. And so tonight we have a really great interview with Juan O'Savin, and it's a lot of detail, a lot of things to think about, a lot of uh, good modeling as to what's going on in the world, so I think you'll really enjoy that. And before you begin with all of that, I want you to give some real thought to how you're going to sleep tonight, because the best way to sleep is on a my pillow, and when you sleep on a my pillow and you sleep on a my pillow mattress and you sleep with my pillow sheets and you sleep with a my pillow comforter and you sleep with you get up with my pillow slippers my my slippers and then you do my pillow towel sets you're like my pillowing the world into existence in a great way and you're happy and you're well rested and you're feeling good and the best best place to file, find all that is mypillow.com forward slash bards and your promo code is bards MyPillow is one of those great companies that we want to continue to support because they are modeling, living the modeling of type of companies that if we had 300 of them, we wouldn't have the doggone problem we have today. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code is Bards. You can also speak to a Patriot Pillow counselor at 800-975-2939. 800-975-2939. You will not be disappointed. Good stuff all the way around. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. Promo code BARDS. Well, Patriots, there's a lot of things happening right now and a lot of pieces in motion. We have a banking industry that's, we're seeing a lot of disintegration behind the scenes of the, of the current banking industry. The dollar is imploding. It's starting to slide on global markets. Gas prices are up. The Saudis have basically told us to go home and go pound sand as they've set up new alliances with the Russians. The Chinese are moving into the Arctic regions. They're, they're, President Xi has said he's going to, they're ready now to take Taiwan. That could happen any day. And all the while, we're being led by the fearless crew of transgender freaks, pedophiles, and satanic hordes that have now taken over our country. In fact, Juan Osevin is going to make a point about that, as most importantly, President Putin made a point to the world that the West is now being led by a satanic cult. In truth, we're being led by a satanic blood cult, and it's time that Americans wake up to realize what has happened. The great name of our nation has been hijacked by people that suck the blood out of children, butcher babies, and do so with pleasure and for their ritualistic sacrifices. This is the world that we now live in, and we're seeing the consequence of this world as we have sat passively by and trying to think that somehow the vote is going to change everything. And I think we should all know better. So tonight we're gonna you're gonna hear a really good perspective on a lot of things in the world. 
And I think Juan does a great job of, of painting a current picture, a current event, a picture of current events. And I think that'll put a lot of things in optics for you. So before we continue, make sure that you are also taking good care of what's going on in your home in these times, making sure you have a good defense plan. That's why we have iTarget. You know how passionate I am about our Constitution and especially the Second Amendment, but just as passionate about being responsible and protecting my family. I discovered the perfect way to train with your firearm in the comfort of your own home and continue to improve your skills. It's called iTarget Pro, and this system is a game changer for me. All I did was download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into my firearm, and start training. The system develops muscle memory, reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and much more. Right now, save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to itargetpro.com. With the cost of ammo through the roof, this is the perfect solution for you. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. The offer code is BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. This is something you definitely need. Definitely, itargetpro.com, and your offer code is BARDS. There's a shocker. All right, Patriots, without further ado, this interview runs about an hour and 20 minutes, and I think it's well worth the time. So let me introduce Juan Osaban. I think the biggest problem people have is they're, um, they're expecting it to be briefer than it's actually going to be. That's the problem. So we need to be realistic about how long this storm is going to last. <laughs> Absolutely. Patriots, I'm, as always, very honored to have Juan Osaven with us here again. And this is a really important time of a lot of things happening. And I think Juan's got a lot to share. And Juan, it's always a pleasure having you on. How are you today? Hey, good. Good to, good to talk to you here. I just had to start the hot rod up. And uh, so, um, you know, I, I uh, people are probably not aware of just how much has happened even in the last 24 hours. And, uh, and everybody needs to buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> so, Juan, let's, let's talk a little bit just about some of the upcoming events. I know one of the things that's been a lot in discussion, DOJ has been waving the flag on this one and kind of setting the conditions to, to put a subpoena out for President Trump and potentially arrest him. And I'm just kind of wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yes. Um, uh, I don't want to speak out of school, but um, uh, things that I've, um, you know, said over time are really, I think, um, coming to fruition now. Um, after think about how to say what I want to say in the right way. Um, uh, you know, if, if you're going to arrest someone uh, of this stature, uh, there's a lot of logistics that go into that. There's other agencies involved, such as his uh, Secret Service uh, security details, uh, the existing uh, security arrangements that are there, other family members. Um, uh, there's a lot of little things that go into this, even you know, so you arrest him. Are you taking him into custody? What does that custody look like? Uh, you're going to put him, you know, in the jailhouse, the sheriff, the municipal, Congress is one in the basement of the congressional building. Um, 
where are you going to put him? And if you're uh, arresting him, seizing him, you know, into some kind of physical um, uh, situation where he doesn't have freedom of movement, is it a house arrest? Uh, and where is that house arrest? Is it, uh, you know, for example, Mar-a-Lago, the club, the uh, membership uh, rules uh, essentially allow them to close down the property for any reason that uh, essentially uh, uh, the president, you know, sees fit. So he could close off the property, even to club members. Uh, there's actually two sides to it. So the beach side opened up uh, last weekend, and that's across the street. There's a tunnel that comes over to the main property side and uh, parking that's there for, for that side. And then there's, uh, you know, the main uh, building facility and then the uh, residence quarters. So is it something where he would be under house arrest? at Mar-a-Lago or at Bedminster or some other location. Um, and what would be the purpose of that house arrest? What, what would you be doing? Well, he's doing the rallies. He's, he's talking with uh, uh, people within the political arena, um, you know, managing money, going out to support candidates around the country. Would he be cut off from communication with candidates? Would he be sequestered? Because, of course, part of the whole question is, is he doing things that, in fact, are inciting uh, some kind of civil unrest? That's part of the contention, that he's trying to literally cause um, unrest in the country, uh, sedition, um, saying that the vote is uh, on 2020. Uh, that he won, and he needs to be given that office that was stolen from him. Well, um, in a in a reading of of you know the way that Congress is looking at this, because he's an election denier and um, uh, claiming that he won the election and that he should be put in office immediately because he won, which he's written over Truth Social and posted. Uh, you know, I won the election, put me in the presidency. If you won't do that, put me on the ballot for 2022. I'll win. So um, he's saying, you know, just saying, put me on the ballot for 2022. At, at face value, that is a seditious comment. It's, it's intended to overthrow the current uh, supposedly elected government of the United States. Um and uh, to put him into power. Well, if that's the case, you're trying to overthrow the elected, uh, quote-unquote, government of the United States. Uh, if you're leading an insurrection um, in any normal uh, world, then that would be grounds to arrest you and try you for treason or sedition or something like that. The CIA's former director, Hayden, uh, uh, said uh, the other day in, in a supposed tweet or meme, uh, I don't know if it was true, I just saw that it was passed around, that, uh, and I assume it is true, that uh, Trump needed to be, uh, um, you know, arrested and possibly hung. So uh, the people going after President Trump are pretty 
voracious, pretty vociferous, and uh, you know, saying that what he's doing is a threat to uh, the democracy. It's actually a republic, and uh, they're not backing off. Um, so, is he going to be sent to Gitmo? Would Trump be sent to Gitmo? At one level, we laugh about it. At another level, the people behind this action, they don't just dislike Trump. There's a certain venom. There's a certain vehemence. Because remember, Trump has actually been pretty vehement towards them. You know, uh, you know, are you going to close down Gitmo? I built it for her. You know. Um, uh, you know, he's been taunting them also. And so there, you know, there's a bit of a arrest wars on the horizon right now that's, that's playing out this very second. So um, I will say this. Uh, I, sorry, I, I had a distraction. Somebody, would you make sure he's okay? Somebody just fell and almost fell into traffic here, so I was concerned. I'm I'm a little ways back from it, but uh, uh, I I that was I'm up here in Anchorage, and you know you you still got just a little bit of sunlight over the horizon through the clouds, raining like a son of a gun. Uh, my friends, because I was getting ready to go back to Palm Beach, and they said it was raining like uh, they, like Bangkok. <laughs> Where it just comes down, you know, it's, it's 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 like going through the swimming pool. You have to swim through the raindrops. And uh, uh, you okay there, guy? Is that all right? You okay? I saw you fall there. Are you okay? Um, I hit my, I slipped right there. You can, um, I hit it kind of uh, well, I'm glad you didn't get into traffic there, guy. All right, all right, all right. Um, but uh. You know, there's a there's a uh, real question here. What would that arrest look like? So in in the past, I'll just tell you that there was a sequence that appears. You know, there was a recommendation of a of, of a specific week's time to uh, alert the various agencies, make the proper preparations um, to facilitate both a um, the arrest and hearing, and then the sequestration of uh, a person who would be essentially President Trump in this particular situation. Um, and that, you know, if, if he's arrested, then he would be essentially kind of held hostage, if you want to look at it as arrest wars. But that would be the term that would be used by the other side. But there is a tit for tat going on here. Um, you know, uh, Biden was famously heard last week uh, in um, Florida when he was looking at the hurricane damage uh, and said, uh, nobody F's with a Biden because there was discussion at that time that Hunter was about to be arrested. And subsequently, it appears that there's some kind of a backside deal taking place. Uh, he paid $2 million in back taxes that uh, was determined that he owed. And so is he actually going to be arrested, arraigned, and, uh, you know, charged with something? 
Would he remain in custody? Would he be allowed to put up bail? If Trump was a wet rested, would he have an ankle bracelet on? Would he be under house arrest? Would he um, be able to talk with anyone other than, say, his attorneys? Or would he even be taken to Gitmo? I think anything is possible uh, at this point because the crowd that is wanting to do this, um, there's a tit for tat. They've heard Trump say things like, you know, we got to send people to get more like that. They want to send him to get more. This is, you know, it's, it's epic at that level. This is kind of a political nuclear bomb that they're talking about dropping here. It sounds like to me they would, with the potential of, or at least their hope is to try to infuse, in my opinion, the violence on the right uh, to try to roll in martial law. Does that sound like a reasonable uh, outcome that they'd want? Well, uh, and so now, you know, let's see. I think when you're painting a picture, you start with this very, you know, what colors in the background, what hue, uh, is it a sunset or a sunrise? Is it in the forest? Is it in a, you know, shop? Is it a black canvas behind the person posing, you know, what's, what's that makeup look like? And then you start adding clouds or hillside landscape and you keep moving in closer and closer. You start far away and you move in closer and things are ill-defined out in the distance and they're very precisely and crisply defined as they get closer to where your, your subject is at the center of the picture. And so looking at the landscape and the way it's been painted, you know, uh, over in this corner in the background, far away from America at a technical level, you have the whole Ukraine crisis and that red on the horizon. Uh, you have Putin. Uh, two weeks ago, President Putin did the equivalent of a fireside chat to the Russian people. Um, he did something very Reagan-esque. And uh, for all the people here, uh, Bolton the other day was talking about we should be looking at, uh, you know, assassination options uh, towards Putin. Are you kidding me? We have rules about going to assassinate other countries' leadership. Um, and, uh, you know, mercenary things. Uh, in fact, uh, there was, in fact, a mercenary team that was captured trying to get to Putin uh, I think this was the second or third time in the last, you know, month and a half here a uh, week and a half ago. Um, and they got pretty close. So, uh, you know, you could say it was somebody from Zelensky's crowd or something else, but somebody got close to them. Uh, there was allegations that at least uh, two of them were um, Western, uh, you know, English-speaking folks. With that in mind, uh, you know, that, that area of the world is heating up in an intense way. Uh, Putin, uh, the next day, first of all, in, in his fireside chat, he says uh, he, he referred to the United Satanists of America. Um, oh, that's just, you know, Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. That's inflammatory speech. He's just gaslighting. Well, actually, he then explained what those comments were intended to point out. Um, since the collapse of the Soviet Union, uh, you know, 
Russia went through a very desperate period. Um, and uh, so, for example, when Japan collapsed after World War II, uh, MacArthur said uh, he didn't need supplies as much as he needed priests and uh, pastors to come to China or to uh, Japan to help w- because they had seen the emperor as God and they needed somebody to come in and kind of get them on track and, and you know, societally and, and morally uh, put things back together. And I mean, you know, in Japan, they had had a, a very horrid um, period within their military. Uh, members of their military were doing live vivisections of American um, troops that had been captured, uh, uh, removing organs and, and, and doing horrors. There was a flavor, uh, a um, spirit there within aspects of the Japanese culture that were, you know, as demonic as ever any Nazi thing was. Um, Japan came through that period with uh, Western and American occupation and business liaison and rebuilding their society and came to revere MacArthur uh, in, in a kind of a, a demagogue type of a way because he didn't, um, he allowed them to save face while rebuilding and finding a new way forward. And they embraced the American business ethic, uh, starting with what was, you know, at the time referred to as these cheap, cheap Japanese trinkets. They had a labor force and no resources. So it's an island that has very minimal resources. So they take their, take simple goods and add value to them to sell them to the world to get income. They don't have oil, they don't have mining, they don't have, you know, they got some crops and like that, but, but for the density of the population, there's not a lot there. So they would buy stuff from other places in the world, build it into things, add value from their labor and their ingenuity, and then send it back out to the world. Uh, as we got out of the 60s and into the 70s, uh, Japan became this manufacturing design powerhouse with the cars and other Western um, uh, goods that the Westerners needed, VCRs and and TVs and electronics and things like that. And so they took relatively inexpensive materials and built them into very valuable things and exported them out to the world. Um, When you look at what's going on in Russia, when Russia collapsed, uh, the Soviet Union, the government of the Russian people, collapsed in the uh, early 90s as a result of, of work that was done during the Reagan administration to uh, collapse the evil empire that was threatening the world with these nuclear weapons in this long, ongoing Cold War. You know, I, I say we won World War Three, and we won it without, you know, a nuclear exchange. We're really in World War Four, as far as I'm personally concerned. We won World War Three, and so then you you look at what's going on in that period after 
the Soviet Union collapsed. The people still have to eat. They have to find a way to do business. But unlike where MacArthur called for a moral, religious, God basis for uh, helping that conquered people um, find a way to live and move on. Uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed, we sent Playboy. We sent Penthouse. We sent business people who went in and worked with these intelligence agency people because it was really our intelligence agency people. You know, we invented our intelligence, CIA funded Playboy, uh, CIA funded uh, Penthouse uh, in order to honeypot and get certain things to, to do things. Uh, and that's actually fairly well documented. So, uh, that going into the Soviet Union, uh, and then after the collapse of the Soviet Union into uh, the Russian society, and then the promotion of really what amounted to um, three-letter agency type mobsters that took control of the country, the country went into um, a type of hell that's hard to explain. Uh, the men were so broken from Afghanistan uh, and the defeat there in a similar way to the way that uh, our servicemen came back from Vietnam, they could win a battle, but they didn't win the war, and they weren't allowed to by, by politics. Uh, so there was vodka was made very cheap and available, and the men would go get drunk, and the women, you know, they needed to eat. They needed something, help, everything else. We were promising them glassnosed. We'd pumped a lot of money into the country while we were getting it ready to collapse the ruble and take them out. And so they went from some relative wealth with Western currency that we were pumping in there to a very, very deep poverty, um, not just of goods, because we collapsed their, um, their infrastructure. Uh, the factories couldn't build anything and they couldn't employ people and they were pretty disjointed. And then the management was there. Uh, what ones could left the country and they left the country in a shambles and the West left in a shambles. And we didn't send in things that actually helped. We sent in profiteers. So then you had the Russian people exporting the only thing that was of much value outside of Russia. And that was literally Russian women. So you had Westerners, uh, people from all over the Western world, uh, you know, taking Russian brides, uh, 50 and 60 year old guys taking, uh, you know, teenage and, uh, you know, young 20s girls as wives, uh, even some of the older women. And, and, you know, they did it because they were in desperate poverty. Uh, I knew several guys that, that brought over women from, uh, Eastern Bloc countries and uh, and Russia uh, because it was opportunistic and you know the women the guys are able to I've got a refrigerator now I love my husband because I've got a refrigerator and it sounds kind of silly at some level but it uh, they were glad to be here and many of them had great marriages but there was also an opportunistic aspect of it uh, I know several guys you know the the Russian girls were being shipped out to uh, Mid East countries and uh, working for their oligarch uh, 
boyfriends and, and, and like that as prostitutes, call girls uh, across the Mideast and the money being going back home. Gaddafi had uh, uh, several women there in his entourage that were uh, from uh, that part of the world. And uh, uh, so th- Russia exported their women. And then the guys got really pissed off. What happened uh, as things started to come together, that's why Putin's out there, you know, bare-chested, riding on the back of a tiger, uh, lion, whatever, you know, showing his virility. And uh, the women just loved him because he was going to bring strength back to Russian manhood and make it less cool to get drunk all the time and take care of the women. In the programming on TV, uh, Putin authorized directly, personally, that they had a children's TV series that the, the kids were Russian Orthodox children going to church on Sunday and fighting witches and wizards and merlins and warlocks to save Mother Russia. Well, okay, that sounds kind of wild. Not the most popular television show for kids in Russia. But excuse me, what was going on in, in the West at the time? Harry Potter. He was allowing programming, indoctrination that helped the children see the West has gone completely out of its mind with, uh, you know, uh, witches and Morlocks and, and uh, Harry Potter aimed at Britain, aimed at America. And now those people, you know, that's 25 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Those are military-aged boys and girls having children of their own now, remembering the poverty, the desperation of those years in Russia. Like we would remember here in America, our, our, our grandparents would remember the Great Depression after 29, the collapse of 29 in the 30s. Uh, uh, the, the the desperateness of of hobos showing up on the porch just looking for a half a potato to survive, similar to what happened in in Germany after the collapse of the uh, Deutschmark in thirty three and the Weimar Republic. Um, so you you look out in this picture that we're painting. Russia lost twenty five million dead in World War Two to the Nazis. And then you have the Ukrainian operation where the people are wearing caps, shirts, have tattoos, bracelets, all of them with Nazi insignia. And they're very Nazi-esque. In the, in the media here in the West, we poo-poo it. No, no, no. It's just an occasional guy here and there. No, it isn't. It's every commander it's every Ukrainian troop. Russia is very sensitive. The Russian people are extremely sensitive to everything Nazi, far more than we are here in the West, where it's, you know, some motorcycle guy wants to wear a Nazi swastika on him on his bike and put it on his car or something like that, like it's an anti establishment thing. That's not the way it's viewed in Russia. And those people coming out of Ukraine, that's very intense. So that glow in the upper left corner of this picture I'm painting has a certain intensity. And when Russia, when, when Putin made that 
speech to the people two weeks ago. The next day, they launched uh, the Belgrade or whatever it was, a, a Bel- Belgrade, I believe it is the submarine, largest submarine in the world. Um, it's a uh, oversized Oscar uh, that's, that's able to carry these extra long torpedoes that uh, have nuclear reactors that power them, and they have a range in excess of 10,000 miles. For all intents and purposes, it's infinity on the range other than other mechanical issues related to uh, the propulsion system. Uh, the reactor itself you know, can go for a very, very long time, longer than the torpedo would hold up mechanically. And uh, they launched it, and it disappeared into the sea, uh, people are wondering if it's going to come out into the uh, North Atlantic somewhere or go some weird way that it would go in the North Sea and end up on the Pacific side. The reality is the Russians don't need to do any of that. They need to leave it in waters that they control and protect. The key thing is that it can launch torpedoes that are able to be very stealthy, run extremely deep, deeper than most submarines where we're not looking for them. We don't have the SOSA system, the, the monitoring system out through the oceans to watch for it and it can sneak up to us it can even go out and just sit on the ocean bottom somewhere and wait for a command to proceed to the target and then the the trick with these torpedoes um is that uh they're very fast very deep but uh russia claims that they're capable of creating tsunamis a tsunami that's a quarter of a mile high. Now, there's plenty of experts that question if that is actually possible or true. Um, uh, the reality is is that, uh, you know, you go boom with a big bomb under the water and water goes up in the air and it comes back down. But if you do it near certain underwater features, you could use the ground reflection of a wall or a cliff or cause some type of undersea collapse that's bigger than even what the explosion is. And yes, you could create a tsunami that would come in and damage certain places. We got an island out there in the uh, Atlantic that it, the the way that the um, striations are in the way that the soil is, it's like it's on its side at, a, at, at like a, not quite a 45 degree angle, it's about a 35 degree angle. And it's, it's got this aspect where if that, upper soil up on top of the hill, if that broke loose like mud sliding down a hill and you might lose uh, a half a mile of land above the waterline uh, of the Atlantic and it would all slide into the water at one time, kind of like a Mount St. Helens sliding into the water sideways in some kind of a, of a geological structural collapse, the tidal wave across the east coast of the United States is speculated. I've heard all sorts of stuff. Uh, could be, you know, in some places up to a mile high. You know, it only has to be 100 feet, 50 feet, and it'd go a long ways in and, and cause massive destruction. So you have something like this sub go target a feature like that with nuclear devices. Maybe they could bust it loose and cause something bigger even than what you were planning on, just a, a bad day with nuclear fallout somewhere. They call it their doomsday weapon in a Dr. Strange Love sense, uh, a doomsday device, this 
submarine for, you know, if, if it's all out. So Putin does this state of the nation fireside chat to the Russian people, gets them amped up. They're already keyed up that way from the way they were raised for the younger kids. The older folks have this memory of how horrible it was when the Soviet Union collapsed and how the West didn't come to help them. The West came to feed off their bones, to take their daughters and, uh, you know, what that was like and whether that was good or not. Uh, and especially to the ones that remained behind, all the guys with the, all the pretty girls left. And uh, they feel like they were, it was a different type of rape of the country. So it's, it's, there's some angst there, and they're a little bit pissed. And then we show up, and then we're throwing money at the very people that they have a recent history of being accosted by and losing, you know, a whole generation, 25 million people. And it's not that far back in the history, 80 years ago, 75 years ago. Uh, that's in the memory of, of the people. Um, that's a pretty bright spot. And then there, you know, the other day too, the other thing at the American embassy there in Moscow, they paraded right there in front of the embassy, uh, nuclear intercontinental ballistic missile systems, hypersonic missile systems, uh, their, uh, nuclear powered torpedo capable of delivering nuclear weapons. And they just ran it around in circles there in front of the embassy all day. Why'd they do that? To make the point that they're ready to go nuclear if they have to. Uh, from our side, uh, uh, a year and a half ago, um, uh, Strategic Command put out a weird post and uh, just as the Russians were doing an exercise on the uh, border of Ukraine before the actual invasion six months earlier, they had this largest exercise since World War II. And out of the blue, on Strategic Command's uh, website, uh, comes this communication. If a force is about to be overrun and use of conventional weapons will not deter, do not expect a linear response. Use of tactical nuclear weapons authorized well there's all sorts of questions does biden actually have the code i talked about that if it says authorized we were warning the russians that uh, we could go nuclear if they don't back off and now they're telling the west the whole world lavrov practically quoted me last uh, december just after christmas and said uh uh we're approaching a uh, Cuban Missile Crisis type moment uh, event uh, if the West doesn't back off. Okay, uh, I've been saying we're coming up on another Cuban Missile Crisis for quite some time, and that's exactly where we're headed. And nothing has stopped that. And Biden himself talking about nuclear Armageddon. So this is all ramping up. That's in the corner of the picture. And then we come across, we've only hit one corner. What about uh, the Mideast situation? People think that that's, you know, not really that big of a deal right now. But uh, 
Iran, the people have literally messaged the police commanders and the military commanders in various parts of Iran. Iran is the fastest growing Christian population in the world right now. And they're in the middle of trying to take out these mullahs that have been controlling their life, that have, that have done horrors to the Iranian people. And they advised all these police and military commanders that if you do what the mullahs want and start retaliating and taking out the people uh, like has happened previously, uh, your families will be wiped out. And so they've backed down and backed off. And there's a civil war going on inside Iran right now. Uh, the mullahs are desperate. They need some kind of a conflict to show an external enemy to rally the people as far as they're concerned against some outside external threat. Could they take a strike against Israel? Could something happen there? Yeah, it could. And by the way, Saudi Arabia, just the other day, they had an event. They had all people from all over Africa and the West there on a technology event. Uh, our guys went to go show up and got told, uh, no, go home. Don't let them in the country. We don't want you here. The Saudis, the Saudis sent our guys home. They told other people not to come over. You're not welcome. Our dollar is tied to Saudi oil. And you just got told to get your butt out of freaking Saudi Arabia and don't come back and don't darken the door. What's that going to do? You're already paying high energy prices closer to home within the energy scenario. Trump capped off, filled up the petroleum reserve here in America, the strategic petroleum reserve, filled it off. They, they have underground reservoirs to carry oil. So they pump it out of the ground some places and they put it back in the ground here because it's, it's close to the surface, it's easy to deal with, and it's an emergency stockpile in case of some crisis. So Trump had it capped off as full as you can get it. Uh, the Biden administration, uh, and then we were exporting oil. Literally, America, two years ago, was exporting oil because we had too much for the first time in, in 40, 50 years. And all of a sudden, now we're back importing oil. And in order to keep the price of gas down coming up on the election, Biden has taken the stockpile back down to lower than it's been in 40 years. He just released another 15,000 barrels the other day, or 15 million barrels the other day uh, and, and dragging it lower and lower just so they can get over the finish line of the election. And then what's going to be the state of America on, on energy? Energy makes the world go round. America relies on energy more than anybody. And he's dragging it down to next to nothing. And then when it's gone and the American energy production isn't there, because uh, it is shut off in large measure, well, where are you going to get it? And nobody's selling it from offshore. The Saudis say, uh, F you. We're in a desperate situation after the election in a perfect world. And on top of that, let's move closer to home yet again. There's all sorts of crisis within the monetary realm uh, that have not been fully realized by the American people. Uh, things happened in Germany at the tail end of September. And repercussions of that are only just now being fully realized here in the West. 
and it's going to continue to accelerate. Even the race by the banks to get physical gold and silver is on right now behind the scenes, and most people have no concept of what's going on behind the scenes on that. Um, uh, and that could have, you know, could go weird places in the next few days. Um, uh, you know, you have lots of paper, you know, just like you have, uh, you know, fiat, uh, gold and silver, any more than the fiat dollar, any more than crypto fiat is not a wise play. It is when you're playing the game, the game's going fine. But when the music stops, you want physical, you want real, you want tangible. And all those fiat are, are horrible. And then you add on top of that, the political. Um, there's more and more energy going towards uh, exposing the uh, uh, way that even in the, you know, people think 2020, yeah, 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 on the vote. What about the, uh, the uh, primaries in this particular voting era? The primaries are bizarre, wild, messed up. Uh, primaries all over the country, people suddenly watching closer with greater technical capability and capacity. And they're seeing that the primary uh, uh, elections were just like the 2020, very messed up, but we didn't catch them in time then. Now we're catching them. And there's all sorts of court challenges that are beginning to get traction. Um, so uh, are we forget 2020, are we going to have a problem with this election based on stuff? And then you have the Connick uh, thing and the CEO charged, and then they get him out on the million dollars bail and uh, claim it was just a few election workers' names. We have other people that are saying it was the largest data breach in American history, the biggest one ever. And it all went to China. And then the CEO gets uh, a little wink and a nod from the FBI. It's okay. Get him the hell out of here. And he's on the first flight, first chance to get to beat feet and get out of the United States, get back to China. What are we going to find out about the rest of what was going on over there, including why is the FBI protecting him and what was the involvement there? Uh, the FBI is on the ropes because of all sorts of mischief that's been revealed. Uh, uh, even the Danchenko thing, you, you, you know, you can't get a decent jury, you can't get justice in the Justice Department, but the American people have heard that uh, even yet again, the Russia, Russia, Russia stuff was bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. And you had a bullshit guy, but a jury let him go. What was the context? Well, if the FBI is giving him permission to lie, why are you going to convict this guy and not go after the FBI? The jury might not have actually been that dumb. They were sitting there going, well, uh, we're not going after this guy. You need to go after the FBI guys that were fostering this. They knew better than what what was going on. You know, he was just a, a tool. So now we get to the most instant stuff. Uh, is there going to be an election on time this year on November 8th? And I've been saying for uh, well over a year that, uh, you know, it's a question. I ask it as a question, is it possible, is there a circumstance where we wouldn't have an election on time? A year and a half ago, the people would say, well, I mean, if there was a nuclear bomb, maybe. Well, the nuclear is right over there, and that's actually a possibility. But then you had 
a Russian or a, a Florida politician the other day uh, made an idle statement about how uh, Democrats should be careful. There might be bombs in that drop box. What? They might get drop boxes might get exploded. Don't stand too close to them. Uh, so now you're making it so people have to be fearful of going to vote, dropping their vote in a drop box. So then the Democrats can claim that they were afraid to go vote at the drop box. And now it's not a fair election. Uh, they don't feel safe voting. Is there a political side where people would say, you know, we need to pause the election, come up with a more secure way. Biden signed an executive order in March of 2021, right after he came into office, concerning the 2022 election and election security and the vote and everything else. It was kept secret. There's been some aspects of it that have been been uh, gotten through court action, but the body of it is still secret. But the groups that were brought in to help advise on this include groups like Antifa. So it's very partisan. And, and we still don't know the rest of it. The post office said they're creating an entire election division just to handle political and election uh, ballots. Uh, and political materials for the 2022 election. And yet, you talk to all the people in the post office, I have personally done so, looking to find out how it was coming along, and it's not functional. So would they claim that it's it's too slow, we need to pause the vote at some point so that these other infrastructure things are there to protect the voters, even to the point of deploying the military to protect the uh, operations to do the vote. We got uh, one of the key people that, that was the person with the codes to change the vote, both in Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, she says, you're not going to be able to get to a fair vote with the military protecting it. The military was all about protecting. They got the right person in office. And she was one of the ones that observed and monitored and protected getting the right person in office using the, using the voting machines in Iraq and Afghanistan. Here, put your finger in the purple dye. And yet, it was a crooked vote. They can't do that here? Of course they can. Uh, so at the end of the day, are Americans going to be comfortable, happy, no matter which way it goes? Bill Gates, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, said, uh, uh, in, in Forbes quoted him, they, they haven't been able to get video or audio of the statement, but they claimed that they were there in the room when they, when it was heard. Bill Gates said, we're going to have a hung election. A very specific word. Does hung mean we don't get all the way to November 8th? Does it get stopped beforehand? Or somewhere on the 8th or just after it's contested somehow? He says, we're going to have a hung election. And I trust Bill Gates. He knows what he's talking about. He's like a Nostradamus. He knew a couple of years in advance that we were going to have COVID-19 and set up a whole conference, <laughs> uh, the 201 conference in China, three months before the main outbreak occurred. So he knows stuff. And Bill Gates says uh, that uh, we're going to have a hung election, and then we're going to have civil war in America. So, you know, he and I agree. I've been saying that for a year and a half. I think he's been saying it for longer, probably. So I give him credit. Let him be the, the superstar. He knows stuff. And uh, I'm sure he had chili or something. He had a vision from God. 
you know, he paid somebody to write a vision from God for him, whatever, you know, uh, he's got his AIs telling him, we need to understand, this audience needs to understand, no matter how you play it, it's just like in the book of Job in the Bible, and the devil got this permission from God himself to test Job. And so when he did, uh, the devil didn't go out and just randomly do stuff and agitate him and death of a thousand razor slashes. No. An army came in to steal the crops. And another army came in to steal his livestock. And another army came in and took his children prisoner and killed many of them. And uh, it's said that you know, Job, who is living wealthy, he's got everything and sumptuous life. He's considered the wealthiest man in the world at the time. And while the first messenger is explaining what just happened, while he's still speaking, that's what the scripture says, the second messenger arrived. And while the second messenger was still speaking, the third messenger arrived. The devil loved to test you by getting all the ducks in a row and then springing it on you, bam, 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 before you get a chance to recover from the last blow, the next blow hits you. That's the situation for the United States right now. But it's not just three. You can go down the list it's like 10 different things. It's the 10 plagues of Egypt, but it's not spread out over a year or two. They're all ready to hit us right now. And then the people that are trying to undermine America from within, they like weak leaders. They hate a guy like Trump, who's uh, a strong man. They hate a guy like Putin, who's a strong man. They like weak leadership because they can puppeteer them easier and they can get anything done they want to. Uh, uh, Biden, by any measure, is a very weak leader. And so he can be manipulated to go certain direction very readily uh, by a number of different powers and people. Name anything that Biden's doing where he's a strong leader except, you know, things to dismantle the country. When Putin did his speech, his fireside chat, he said, uh, in America, they teach in the public school little children, grade school age children, prepubescent children, that they can still change their mind. And instead of being a boy, they can be a girl. Or instead of being a girl, they can be a boy. He said that in a speech. And he says, that's not who we are as a people. That is a godless people. That's the United Satanists of America. And I got to tell you, if I got to pick, I think Putin's right. I agree. Okay? So then we're being undermined from within. Our leadership isn't protected. When an enemy comes in to take a country hostage, to take a country captive, in medieval times, in ancient pre- uh, uh, Roman time. Uh, Daniel is a good example. 
Babylon came in and took the people of Israel into captivity. And so the young men who were of military age were castrated and made slaves and worked to death. The young girls were bred, used for pleasure palaces, and the older women worked to death. The older men, if they were not healthy enough to work, just killed and made a spectacle of to terrorize the population that was taken captive. They didn't want to keep those guys alive because it wasn't worth the hassle. And they didn't want their knowledge conveyed of their ancient history. And the children, like Daniel, Daniel was probably prepubescent. And uh, like Michael Jackson, castrated, but it wasn't done chemically. And then made a scribe take care of the books and leisures. And because he came from the Chaldean tribes, uh, where they were soothsayers and they could see things and read the tea leaves and all that, uh, well, they have a history of being able to read the future and make good predictions. So he was kept as, a, as, as one of those types of, of uh, administrators within the kingdom. And so all of those kids uh, were, were mutilated sexually or taken advantage of uh, somehow, and uh, uh, that was their life, and all the older people worked to death or killed. So when you have people coming into the schools wanting to tell children that they can be mutilated and twisted and used, and you have people opportunistically taking advantage of them in their youth, and they can't protect themselves, and you have a system that protects these deviants, these monsters, from being able to get access to the children and uh, uh, brainwash them. Aren't we being taken captive from the inside? Absolutely. That's, that's the historical model. So uh, a nation has never collapsed from without that isn't first hollowed out from within and then a new power, political power, strongman comes in and fills the void. America has been being hollowed out. And even from a spiritual standpoint, the devil is like a worm. Uh, in, in the great white throne judgment at the end of the ages, all of human, humankind, humanity, is assembled. And the devil is put on display at the center court. And the people look upon him and they say, is this worm, this pathetic creature, the one who deceived the nations, who brought nations to war with each other, who deceived the whole earth. Is this pathetic creature the one behind all that? Because he has no arms, no legs. He's described as a serpent. But why? Because if you look at all the royal symbology, 
if you even understand the whole point of the Adam and Eve story and the Cain side of it, in the hybridization, the serpent morphs into a dragon. Where do the arms and legs come from? The arms and legs are us. We become the arms and legs. He has the power of deception to cause you to do his will. You become his arms and legs. And so then you look at what's going on in the world today. And by deception, people are buying the lies of the devil himself, doing evil, carrying out evil plans, evil intent. And uh, what's the devil do? He wants us to cause ourselves to be at enmity with God. And he, because he has no arms and legs of himself, he isn't the one bringing calamity and punishment on us. We're the ones doing it to ourselves because we believe the lies of the devil. And God is acting because he says, I will not allow this. I will not bless that. I will not uh, allow these things to happen. And when we do those things, we bring God's wrath on us and the devil lies. The devil doesn't have the arms and legs to actually go crush us. He's bringing curses on us by getting us to do things that God must judge that are accursed, that require punishment. When the American people will not protect children from predators and force the children to go to the schools and we pay for them, and then they're preyed upon, by these deviants who the government says are actually people that need their place, okay? I I remember up in uh, one of the northern states, the governor, uh, when he came into power, because uh, gays were a, uh, uh, technically a uh, uh, minority, by the way, the law saw it, just like people of color. Uh, he ordered that uh, children in the in the child protective services system had to go equally to uh, minority gay couples until they were balanced out. And so, like the next three thousand kids, the majority of them all went to you know uh, with preference to gay couples. And people are like, what in the world is going on? No, these aren't just kids that the way the law was, is a, you know, that it's an option for children who have those tendencies to be placed in that kind of situation that makes sense for them, where they won't be abused, where they won't be uh, uh, besmirched. Uh, but then they were placing children that, you know, are, are prepubescent in those kinds of households. And then they got, of course, predictably uh, abused. I've talked with many of them. Uh, so, you know, that's not a mystery. And that was done as an act of force through the political system. Those children had no way to protect themselves. They were just the victims. The machine forced them into those situations. And they were damaged for their whole life. Put in situations that children should never be put into. If you can't protect the children, if you can't protect the innocent, just like the child in the womb, uh, 
and the abortion stuff, you will have God's wrath on your soul and on your nation. And that's what's been being experienced. And now that there's pushback, uh, that dark angel over Dallas from Roe versus Wade has had its feet and bones crushed, its wings broken with the change in the federal law. Uh, it's still a state's issue, but uh, it's been broken at the federal level. The fight's still on. There's other dark angels over America, uh, principalities that are still in play, but they're fighting for survival. And they will do anything to try and cause us to do more stuff that brings God's wrath and judgment on us. The storm didn't just happen in a vacuum. The storm is here because it's a accumulation, an accumulation of a number of things. And like the devil likes to do, they're all hitting at the same time. And America sailed into the storm, into the dark of night. When the next events happen, which will happen very quickly now to start things off, that first bow wave that we get hit hard with, uh, coming up probably in days now. Uh, that won't be all of it, and they'll continue to increase. And then the sustained wins, and then the tidal surge after the fact. I don't think we have days or a week or two of this. I think we have a year. and maybe more, of intense drama, and in the course of it, trying to batten down the hatches, hold it together, uh, you get one crisis under control and another one shows up. One crisis under control and capped off, and then bang, the hatch blows off and you're right back where you were to begin with. We have a really rough road to hoe. My only help in this whole thing is there is a lot of Americans that understand this, they're looking to God for help through this. God himself, even if it's just a portion of the American people, will protect and save America because of that percentage who are faithful and true and do want to see it come through and his promises to the pilgrims and others. Societies, unfortunately, have to go through this type of a test or a trial from time to time. We're no different. We've allowed it to get to some extreme. We've been fooled and conned by magicians and madmen to allow this to happen. And now we're going to have to dive in and get control of it. And it's going to be a rough, rough way ahead for a period of time. But we're going to make it through. That is a great Summation and what's really amazing is so much of what you just talked about, I've been talking about, and you know Brad Cummings, he's been talking about yeah. in the last few weeks. So I always see these as confirmations because God is speaking boldly through us and reminding us of our responsibilities in this time, which is significant and not passive in any way, but we definitely have to anchor ourselves boldly on that rock of faith to face the winds in our face and hold that line before us what's what's as we kind of wrap this up on because it was a beautiful discussion i really appreciate it what um what do you see as just some general grounding advice that you would pass on to people in the coming days and weeks what's about to happen has to happen we have to go through this together 
um, and the country has to see th- some things firsthand so that we will not easily be fooled again out in the future. Once you've seen how the magician does his trick with the, the, the wires up the sleeve, the fishing thread, um, uh, the hidden compartments like that, once you understand the trick, you're not, it, it loses its mystery. And uh, we're going to see how the magicians have done these tricks and it will be revealed and it will, you know, and, and some of the, what was behind the reasons for the trickery is going to be revealed. Uh, I've used the example here recently of the bullfight. The devil, when he was cast out of heaven, Christ said he saw him fall to earth like lightning. Um, and, uh, we, the the second oldest story out there, and I've mentioned this over a couple of shows, but let me just say it quickly again, is the tale of Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh was this God, man, king, who was a very powerful man on the earth in some ancient, ancient time. And it's in the Sumerian tablets and it's told and retold. And it's the basis for the Hercules uh, stories and other strong men uh, in later myths and the core of it, the early version is the tale of Gilgamesh. And in the time of Gilgamesh, there was a bull of heaven who was cast down to the earth that fell to the earth, uh, fell like lightning. It's the devil, okay? It's an early telling of the devil. And when this bull got to the earth, it was rampaging and running wild and destroying people and cities and crops and possessions. And so this God man King goes out and fights it all day long, but he can't get the win. And then an assistant shows up who wasn't his best friend, but they became friends. And this assistant shows up and weakens the bull in the neck and shoulders because that's the most powerful part of the bull, these big, broad shoulders, the bones, the head. Uh, And so the bullfight, the Spanish bullfighting, is based on this, uh, loosely on this tale of Gilgamesh story. So in a a Spanish bullfight, there's three parts. The first part, the uh, animals are brought out and the... uh, uh, Actors are brought out and paraded around the different matadors that will compete in different sections of the bullfight, different bulls. The the picadors who will weaken the bull with hooks and spears in the shoulders and neck, uh, riding horses with huge padding all over them, the protection for their eyes, etc., so that they can engage the bull without being hurt. Uh, uh, Everybody's in their colors and lights and festive, etc., and then the bull's brought in. And when the bull comes in, they're raised not around people. They're very feral and wild. And uh, uh, the head is high. It's prancing around the arena. It's used to being the most powerful, biggest animal out there. And so the picadors go at the bull and begin to damage it in the shoulders and neck area. Uh, At a certain point, they retreat and the matador enters the ring. And the third round, each round is announced by a trumpet. The third round is only 15 minutes long. 
at 10 minutes into the third round, a trumpet is sounded again, and the, the, the matador only has 10 minutes left or five minutes left in this 15 rounds or, or 15 minutes. And, and the reason that's important is because uh, uh, bulls are not marathon runners. They run in sprints, and they only have so much energy. They're, they're huge, they're muscular, they're powerful, but they don't change counties like an elk or a deer. They'll, they're right there, and they own a little piece of turf. So when the matador gets in the ring with this weakened animal, he then uses his, in Gilgamesh, it was his tunic, his coat, his jacket, which was colorful kind of like Joseph, a coat of many colors, uh, royalty. Um, the matador waves his tunic, his cape in front of the bull and taunts it and baits it. The matador wears what's called a suit of light and it glitters and it, it has a, a glow to it in the sun. And so it's intended to bait and attract the bull to charge it, to taunt it, to come at it. President Trump, uh, three and a half weeks ago, he put out in Truth Social, he said, I won the election in 2020. The evidence proves that now. Everybody knows it. Put me in the presidency. Stop this bullshit. If you won't do that, if you can't do that, put me on the 2022 ballot. I'll win. Well, first off, there's no mechanism to just suddenly, and the courts aren't going to do it, nobody else is going to do it. You can't get to justice in the Justice Department. You're not going to get them in there and reverse the vote from 2020. Congress seated the president. Congress said Biden's the president. He is. Because Congress voted, said that he won the election, uh, went with what the electors presented to him and said he's got it. So there's no mechanism to pull him out and put Trump in there as president. Uh, uh, there's no mechanism for putting Trump on the ballot. There is no presidential run going on in the midterms. Never going to happen. So what Trump said on its face is legally, there's no mechanism to pull that off. So it's not going to happen. But Trump said it anyway. It's, it's essentially saying overturn the existing government of the United States. He's taunting the bull. He's taunting the deep state bullshitters. He's taunting them to charge him. Charge me, charge me, charge me. In the bullfight, the bull is weakened. It's tired. Its tongue is hanging out. And the bullfighter, the matador, taunts it to charge him one more time. Every time it's more tired, its head starts hanging down lower and lower because it's weakened in the shoulder and the neck muscles. As the head gets lower on the bull, its shoulders start to broaden out and it opens up a cavity between the shoulder blades that gives direct access to the heart below. But the bull is the most dangerous of all to a matador as its head hangs lower and its horns hang lower. Matadors are often killed or injured 
seriously injured as the as the bull gets to the last stage of the fight because its horns are down low. It just has to catch one piece of fabric, part of a leg, flip the matador, and he's got him. And so the audience watches. Oftentimes, the, the bull gets so tired, and he won't want to charge anymore because he's so tired. They'll even sit down and just stop. So the matador has to taunt, taunt, taunt the bull to charge him one more time. And when he does charge, the matador has to be as close to the bull as possible. Why? Because he has to put the sword in with precision right between the shoulder blades and all the way down to the heart. And if he misses, he hits the bone. The shoulder muscles move just right. He hits the backbone. The sword doesn't go anywhere. And now he's right there next to the bull. He can get trampled. He can get hit. The bull can bring its head around, take him out. But bullfighters, the ones that the people are most amazed by, the bull will come so close to him. And you'll see him hold his position because he's got the tunic out there. In this case, the mega flag, the American flag. He's taunting this deep state monster that has ruled the roost here in America for decades and decades and decades to charge him one more time. In card games, the trump card is also called the matador. The trump card in card games is called the matador because it's the killer. It kills the whole game. The kill shot is taken by the killer of the deep state as the bull charges Trump one more time because he's baited him in on the mega. They're going after the mega. He's got them speaking against the mega. As they come by, they come at the cape and he moves deftly out of the way. The deep state's going to get killed. That's what I predict. That's what's just ahead. That's the piece of art that I asked Jennifer Mack to make over at the uh, JenniferMack.com that's, that's gone viral now with Trump as the matador and the American flag and the mega operation to kill this deep state bull. Its brand is right there in our face all the time. We're about to watch the most amazing feat in modern history as America's deep state bull is put to death in the field of play for everyone to see and you're watching an expert keeping his calm holding the line and about to take the kill shot enjoy the show absolutely well Juan we always close with a prayer it's always a pleasure having you on would you like to lead the prayer today absolutely Father God you have a whole nation of your people, your servants here. People that have prayed, yearned, anticipated this moment. Even if they didn't know exactly what it would look like, they knew you were somewhere steering events, bringing people on the stage, bringing things to a head. This moment where the prayers of the pilgrims who landed here in 1602. When those prayers would come to life in this modern age to allow us 
to somehow own this place for your glory, to do things that served your purposes, not just for ourselves, but out across the world. I pray, Father God, that you would bless each person in this audience with special opportunities that match who they are, where they are at this exact moment, to minister to a nation in need, to bring a word of truth at just the right moment and just the right place that helps people to endure, hold the line, understand what's going on in our country, and hold for good. I thank you for everyone in this audience who's been valiant in speaking truth, in speaking against evil, who have been valiant for the sake of justice, not for reward, not for acclaim, not for riches, but just for the sake of truth itself and justice being served. I thank you for each one of them. I pray that you would protect them. You would make provision for them in these difficult times just ahead. You would keep them safe through every wave crash. You would give them inner strength that can come only from you and clarity of mind and purpose, not only for themselves, but for those around them and that they would be leaders as you created them, every one within their communities, within their families, sovereigns, behaving and acting like sovereigns, owning the world that you gave us through Adam as we take back America in your name by the blood of Christ and then go out not to enslave the rest of the world, not to be the keeper of the rest of the world, but to be our brother's brother according to your will. I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you for provision for them. I thank you that you've brought us together and given us a place to meet here within this audience and to consider these things. And I pray you would give them dreams and visions of a bright future, an understanding of what's ahead, and the hope that we have in you, not just for ourselves individually, but for America as a nation and your purposes out into the world and the fulfillment of them, even through the storm. Let it be according to thy will. Thank you, Father. Amen. And in Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Juan. A great prayer and a great, great conversation. And so, always enjoy your audience. I really, really do. They're just, they're, this is a, one of the most beautiful audiences out there. And I have enjoyed them tremendously every time. Uh, look forward to seeing and talking with them again. And, uh, there's, uh, you know, you want to see my book, it's over there at uh, gumroad.com. It's at uh, the Jennifer Mack. And then uh, on my uh, internet site, uh, 107daily.com, they've got stuff in the store there that uh, if there's people overseas, that's the only place you can order outside the United States is over 107daily.com uh, for some of the stuff there. So appreciate it always. Absolutely. One, have a safe trip home or back to wherever you're headed. I know you're. Well, I'm not going home. I haven't been home. Haven't been home two and a half years. I'm uh, actually, I'm up in Anchorage today. I was in Juneau yesterday. Um, uh, I've been in a different state every day for like, the last nine or ten days. Uh, I'm headed for Texas for the uh, rally in Robestown, uh, Texas, uh, for, with President Trump. Uh, uh, then I've got to go over to California. And uh, I think 
I go up to Boise for a day up there and then um, Nashville and then back to uh, Palm Beach. So I've got a pretty busy and that, that, that gets me through next Thursday. <laughs> All right. Well, at least text me a couple of cool pictures along the way. You got to do that. <laughs> All right. Well, Juan, have a very blessed evening. Thank you again. Seriously. All God, right. All God right. bless Thanks you. Thanks for having me. You bet. Talk All to you right. soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Patriots, that was Juan O'Saven. I think it was another one of his great interviews, to be very honest. He really does enjoy Bard's Nation, and he enjoys coming here, and it really shows because I think what we get here is a, is a depth of Juan that is really amazing. Um, his historical knowledge is... <laughs> is stunning and his and his biblical knowledge is equally amazing. So I hope you enjoyed that interview. I think it put a lot of things in context. I really tried to just let Juan tell his story this time and just get out of his way and just let him go. And I and I was really very impressed with how the whole thing came together. I love the analogy of the bull. I think that's a great one to really hang on to and to start putting things in context. Last thing I'll say on all this is if you don't have a biblical lens right now on the world, a lot of things just don't make sense. But as we keep that biblical lens and that grounding in all that we do in our love and father, we're going to get through this okay. But it's going to be a pretty rough storm. Whenever that storm kicks off, it's going to, it's going to shake the nation and it's going to have to shake the nation. But keep in mind, just as Juan has said, and I've said here, God has us each in a place where we need to be. And in this very important time, that means each one of us has an immense responsibility. This is not just an action of trying to put down evil. This is an action of establishing the truth of what God's kingdom is about. And Lucifer has to be crushed. And we do that by holding the line and truly getting intimate with Father and having the ferocity to know that when we go after evil, we go after it decisively and to completely crush it and expel it. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. And out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion 
that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 